Hello, and welcome to the First Line Nutrition Everyday Hero Podcast with your host, Jason Tyler. Bringing you another extraordinary story told by a very extraordinary person. Our guest today is Cindy Garza. She was a TV personality for 12 years, a stay-at-home mom for 16 years. She's a breast cancer survivor, six years now. And she's also a business owner. And you're going to hear her story right now. Enjoy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Wonderful to speak with you here. And I just want you to start from the beginning. Just share a little bit about your story. Okay. Well, I um, uh, grew up in Austin and went to Elgin High School, graduated uh, from Elgin High School, just a small town on 290 between Austin and Houston. Okay. And went to Texas, University of Texas in Austin. Right. And I'm graduated with um, a bachelor of journalism degree. And quickly from there, I went to work. I mean, I didn't have the luxury um, of growing up with parents who went to college and all that. So I had to get to work. I didn't, you know, couldn't make a phone call and go, I need a job. Um, So I moved to Houston and worked quickly in a PR firm, Edelman Worldwide. I worked at a PR firm for about six months and I don't know if I was young or just naive or, or just a lot of it, all of it, you know, combined, but I, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, it was my first job and having to call on television stations and having to get things covered and get coverage for companies I was working for and representing, um, was a challenge, but I tried to do that. And then I got to know a lot of people in television stations, even though I was so young, but they knew that I was driven and hardworking and I got a job offer as a production assistant at KHOU. Um, right. So I left the PR firm and went to work in TV. Uh, did that for 12 years. I mean, I, I worked there as a production assistant for, I don't even know, it was right out of college. So nine months, maybe, before I got a job in um, El Paso and on TV. I was a reporter. My first story I'll never forget was um, sending me over the border to cover illegal immigrants um, coming across, risking everything they had, Um, children, lives, their whole, you know. And then as soon as they would cross, there was a bus and a bunch of uh, officers waiting for them. Not that they knew it, but as soon as they crossed, it was like they did all this to cross over and then just to be bussed back seven hours into the interior of Mexico. And for some reason, I felt so bad for them. And so my story, and so I learned a big lesson, but, but anyway, I learned a lesson that I felt sorry for these illegal immigrants. And I, I, I kind of learned that you can't ever have your own opinion about anything when you're telling news. I mean, unlike CNN, unlike, you know, uh, Fox news, that's all commentary. Today's news is so different. Back in the day, it was straight news. You could not have a slant. You could not feel sorry. You could not feel bad. You had to tell it the way it was. That was the first story I did. I did cover a lot of cartel stuff back in the day before um, they uh, 
stopped sending reporters to Mexico, which right. I think is, a, I mean, back in the day, they didn't care about us. I mean, we, we, maybe we didn't feel like we were in danger, but I covered more cartel stories in Mexico. I was always in Juarez. So that, um, I think that shaped. What were the years we're talking about right when you were there? Um, in El Paso, I was there from 93, in 93 okay. for about, yeah, like eight months, nine months. I don't even remember. It's been so long ago. Um, and then I, you know, I missed, I missed home so much. I mean, I, I was there and I had never been there and I, no offense to those from El Paso, but I, it was the armpit of Texas. Like I was so, um, I missed home. I was from Austin. I was homesick. I wanted to see my family. I just felt like I, it was depressing for me. Um, but then news is right. News isn't right. good. It's, of it's depressing. But that was my first job, like really on the air and really doing covering news. And I, I, so I went into radio. I, I got a job at Case Cavet in Austin and, um, did news there, but it was great because I, radio was so cool. You didn't have to dress up. You didn't have to wear makeup. It didn't matter what you were wearing. And, um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And then, uh, got a job at K- uh, at KBTX in Bryan college station. So I was the longhorn remember going into Aggie land as a, anchor. And, um, that was quite an experience because I didn't know what their mascot was called or what the name was. So I, you know, it was, it, it, to me, it read reveal. Um, obviously we know now the name was not reveal. It was Reveille, but on air, I said reveal and the entire like producers, editors, everybody who was in outside of my anchor desk was screaming and yelling. No. <laughs> so needless to say, I didn't hit it off with a bang there um, because I didn't know the mascot's name and I offended a lot of Aggies, <laughs> but, um, but it all ended well. I, I spent uh, a year there and um, loved it and then moved on to Oklahoma city and was there for two years and covered the bombing and, Timothy McVeigh and you know I, it was such big news and um horrible I mean the people there are just wonderful people they really are salt of the earth heartland of America and I made mm-hmm. a lot of good friends there and uh loved it loved Oklahoma City and then came to Houston which is now home so what and year did you come to Houston 97. Um, I think it was like July or June of 97 and left right before 2004. So was here doing news for a while. And then I, um, I was married while I was working, Mm -hmm. uh, never really saw my husband at the time, but I was, um, I was covering. So, I mean, I was, I was traveling all over the world, literally. I was, and it was great fun. And then I, um, we started a family and realized that it was going to be a little too much for me to, to work and to travel and to be a, a mom. So um, that was kind of one of the hardest decisions to make because I really did love my job and I love traveling and I um, just love being in the whole, just being out there and running, you know, but that was cool. I stayed at home and had kids. 
so you were married the entire time. Uh, like approximately, when did you get married? Or well, not approximately? When did you get married? Um, I got married in 2003, but 2003. I was here. Yeah. So it wasn't, I mean, we dated a quick minute and got married. It wasn't okay. like I was married the whole time I was here, but towards the end I got married and that's what kept me here. Cause I never wanted to stay in Houston. Right. I wanted to keep moving, but a lot of things kept me here. Um, my mom had Alzheimer's, uh-huh. uh, my father was kind of taking care of her and they're in Austin at the time. So I kind of really wanted to be there with them and to take care of her. And, and it just ended up working out. I mean, shortly thereafter, I signed a new contract here and then I met my husband. So it, it was fine. It all worked out. But, um, um, but yeah, I had offers. I had offers to go to new, uh, LA, um, call, uh, Chicago. And I really did want to go to LA but that didn't, um, that didn't happen, which is fine. Everything works right. out for a reason. No regrets. No regrets. Well, it sounds like you've done a lot of good, uh, stories. So, uh, right away you went to Juarez, you've been to Oklahoma during the Oklahoma city bombing. You had a, a bunch of stories that you covered, I'm guessing in Houston from 97, there was probably some good stories you covered there. Then, yes. and then you met your husband in the two thousands and got married in 2003. And then when mm-hmm. did you, when did you have your first child? Um, I had her in 2004, February. 2004. So I left like November of 2003, right before, I mean, I was as big as a house <laughs> and, um, well, <laughs> I, I tell you what did it, what did it? I really wanted to go back into news after I had kids and I wanted to go back to work, but I, you know how we did all those chop, we were always in a helicopter and we were always flying around and, you know, going to news and covering chases and whatnot. And we were in the helicopter, um, covering news in Galveston over the, over the Bay. And we were covering how hurricane had like hit a bunch of these houses on the water and they were all destroyed. And we were about to go on air. And I just remember losing IFB. That was my, my, like I was literally about to go on the air for channel two at the time when I, the control, everything just turned off the whole helicopter just shut down all the lights in the helicopter shut down my, my headphones. I couldn't hear anything. And the pilot was saying mayday, mayday. Like it was some real shit. (laughs) And I, so the, we we went down Luckily, fortunately, we were not in air flying. We were hovering over Galveston on the bay. Uh We landed right on the beach and it was a bumpy landing, but we were just propeller only. And I just remember going, I don't need this crap. Like, I, I, I mean, I swear to you, it was just that aha moment where I was like, I'm sorry. I really don't want this again. So since then, I am, I will not get on a helicopter. I am deathly afraid of small planes, private planes. I, I will get on them. I will take a Xanax or whatever it is I have to take. I will probably have some cocktails, but I still say, a tw- you know, a bunch of prayers and I'm, I, it, it scares me. I have yeah, this, of course, this, of course. yeah, yeah. Total PTSD yeah, never, after that. I've never been through anything like that. And uh, that's that that would scare me just thinking about it. So now I don't yeah. want to be on a helicopter. Well, I mean, you know, I've lost some friends uh, right. in news uh, in El Paso. Uh, right. So, you know, I've, I've, I, a friend reporter uh, 
was doing something. It was in a, one of those little fire, you know, she was doing a story and it was just heartbreaking, you know? So I, so, you know, you lose someone and then you're in something like that and you survive, right. you go, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm out. Well, and then they have the lifelike crash around, I want to say it was 2000 right there in Fort Bend when they were at the fueling station. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was 2001. I remember that. I don't remember the yeah. year, but yes, I do remember that. It was one, it was one of those years because I, I used to work for Fort Bend and I remember the, I talked to the medic that actually responded to it and then, um, they had, yeah. So yeah, you remember things like those things, even though I wasn't, uh, I wasn't working there. I do remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. So that would give me a little PTSD also. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did for sure. So that was when I called it. That's when I decided my, my husband and I had a long talk and we just decided I'd stay home, which was an adjustment. I'm glad I did in retrospect. I'm so happy, um, that I, raised my kids and was there every entire step of the way. And they're in high school now. And my older one, um, even though she can get her license, refuses to drive, uh, which is another problem that we'll talk about on a later podcast. But uh, why do teens not want to drive? <laughs> no, but she, Holy um... smokes. I can't believe you're saying <laughs> that because mine are the exact same it's way. Crazy. It's like, I couldn't wait to get my driver's license and I could not wait to drive. And now they don't want to, they have Uber and they've got their friends and they've got, yeah. Anyway. So I'm kind of still the Uber around here, but, um, I told, yeah. Anyway, they're, they're, they're working on it. Yes. You and I are from that same, I think we, I don't know exactly how far apart we are, but I got my license in 1990, I think. And uh, I was there the day of my birthday. Oh yeah. And both, and both all three of my older teenagers, I, I have one that's younger, but my older three, none of them got their license until they were almost 17. Uh, see, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm it's, there. It's, it's, it's the weirdest thing ever. I, yeah, I know. I know. But anyway, it, it, it kind of still gives me a little control, which is kind of right. good. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. Um, so but, you, so, uh, you were for, for how long? 16 years you said? Well, I'm still, yeah. So I have a, a 16 and a 14 year old. So, um, they're in high school right. and then I decided to, um, now that they're grown and one is looking at colleges and the other one is, is thinking of leaving me for boarding school. And I was just <laughs> like, no, we're not going to do that. And I, we're in a pandemic and why are you so ready to get out of, out of the house? And, you know, I just think that they're just, it, this whole pandemic has been really hard on every, all of us, every single person. Um, whether those have been, you know, you've been sick or whether you've lost a lot of your business or, you know, whether you're just at home going crazy. I mean, I just think it's been so hard. And um, anyway, my kids are, are sick of it too. And they're ready to just go. And I'm like, uh, the pandemic is just not in Houston. I hate to tell you, it's all over the place. So you think you might be leaving mom, but you're still going to be sitting on your butt somewhere on a computer. That's right. That's so, right. you know, anyway, um, All right. so that's right. Let's talk about your fight a little bit. So you were diagnosed with breast cancer. I was, I was diagnosed, um, in 2014, 2014. Um, yeah, I was, um, 
I was 44 years old and I did not know, you know, it was a routine mammogram. It was, um, I was on my way to New York and it was September 11th. I remember, I remember September. So on September 10th, I, 2014, I went for a routine mammogram and they kept me there for a very long time. And I, I was just like, what is going on here? So my doctor calls me back upstairs and says to me, I need you to go see a surgeon tomorrow. I go, well, I'm flying out to New York tomorrow. Can it wait? She goes, well, you know, Cindy, I, I, I guess it can, but what time are you flying out? I said, I don't know, 10, 30, 11. She goes, how about I make it for eight o'clock in the morning? Let's just go. And I should have known something was wrong, but she just said, you know, carcinogens, whatever. It may not be anything. It may just be calcifications, but whatever. I need you to go get checked. I go get checked. I have bags in my car and I'm ready to go to the airport. And she, the doctor just looks at my images and says to me, you have breast cancer. And I'm like, what? She says, uh, yes, you have breast cancer. And I went by myself because I, you know, which is fine. I mean, no big deal, but I, I, I said, how sure are you? She goes 99.9% sure that you have breast cancer. She goes, I need you to go get, um, a biopsy like right now. So, you know, your life changes, you freak right. out. Of course you start thinking the worst. And I called my husband and we both, I was in shock. He cried. I was just like taking care of business. Like I'm like very methodical. I'm going to MD Anderson or I'm doing this. I'm, I'm, I put my investigative skills onto myself and started interviewing doctors and talking to anyone what? who, you know. So you were totally I proactive. I was. I ha- you know what? I don't have time for the BS when it comes right. to my health or my baby's health or anyone's health. I needed to do what I needed to do. So I spent the entire Friday that morning I woke up with the chickens to be at MD Anderson at 7 a.m. before they even really opened. And I just refused to leave until I saw someone. And guess what? I did. And I had all my biopsies there. And then I went to Methodist because that's where I had been earlier. And, you know, I just was very proactive. I did my due diligence. I picked out the surgeons. I picked out everybody. Luckily for me, it was stage one. Um, It was not hereditary. It was hormone driven. And I was on hormones and that's another podcast. Uh, But yes, I highly recommend that if women or men are taking testosterone or any kind of hormone that they do their, they, they do their homework. Um, Anyway, so that's um, yeah. I fortunately, thank God uh, they were able to get rid of it and I am cancer free six years now. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Well, I didn't want to interrupt you because you were doing so good and you're, you're, you're very well-spoken. But um, just to go back real quick, you said that the mammogram was just – you didn't have any symptoms, no signs. You were just going in for a mammogram. Right. So I okay. was going in for a routine mammogram, and, you know, it was – thank God I did. And, you know, that's why I tell everyone, go get your mammogram. Some people are like, well, you know, but we're subjecting ourselves to, to, um, whatever it is that people are telling me they don't get mammograms because that's, you know, radioactive and all this stuff and it's radiation and that's going to give me, you know what, whatever, uh, 
go get a mammogram. Go and get a mammogram. Yeah, really. Just go do your yearly checkups, whatever that looks like for you. And men and women and go, just go just to make sure you're fine. Just, you know, you take your car in for a tune up. Well, God dang, we're, we need to do that to, for ourselves. And I luckily did. And I went to the, I went to the doctor for a routine mammogram. And, um, the next day, September 11th, I went to the uh, surgeon, the breast surgeon at Methodist hospital. And she told me that I had breast cancer and, from then on out, I started doing my own due diligence and interviewing several doctors from different facilities. And, um, and I landed with a really great team and, and it all worked out for me. That's great. Um, it's, <laughs> it's great that you went so proactive and you were the ones doing the interview. And that's, uh, that's a, that's a new take on it for me, but it makes total sense that you would interview somebody to take care of your medical care. To me, that makes total sense. Well, absolutely. I'm so used to doing the interviewing that right. it's hard for me to be interviewed because, because I'm so used to asking all the questions. But um, no, yeah, I, I did my own, my own homework. I, I never, ever had time to cry or right. to feel sorry for myself right. or to say, woe is me. I was driving the bus. Right. So what did your, what was your treatment plan? What did that involve? Thankfully, it did not involve um, chemo. No chemo. I was a stage one that I fortunately caught it early. Right. And that's why I think mammograms are so important. Right. Um, so fortunately, um, I didn't have to have chemo or radiation, but they said you will have to have chemo and radiation if you don't have a mastectomy. So I had to have a mastectomy, which is fine. And you know what? Who cares as long as you get this stuff out of me? Right. And so I did that. And I am very, I'm happy. I am cancer free. It's been six years and it's all good. Okay. So, um, did you do the reconstruction after that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was really, gosh, I was so thin. I mean, I must've been 115 pounds. I mean, I'm 120 now, but I was so thin that normally what they would do is they would do like, you know, they give you a, I don't know, take the fat from other parts of your body. And I had to do the expanders, you know, which is kind of like, mm, you look kind of sick with it, but it's okay. Um, you ha- I had these expanders and, um, to stretch the skin on your chest and your, your cavity, your chest cavity. And so then I waited about three and a half, four months to have reconstruction and it just, it turned out well. Um, and I've had to have, you know, another reconstruction since then, but it's all good. As long as I'm cancer free, I'm, I'm good. So how did your, I know initially your husband, uh, how he took the news, but how did, how was he throughout the entire process? You know, he was good. I think he was stoic. I think he was just kind of scared. Right. Um, yeah. But and the kid, um, also, yeah, the kids were very scared. You know, I, I, the kids, I think really took it hard because they were so scared, you know, they, right. they don't understand. And I, I think I was the least scared of anyone, but I think it's because I was going through it and I just had to get through it. Right. But, um, 
I, you know, Jason, I ran a lot during that time that I had cancer before mm-hmm. I had any surgeries. I just started running like Forrest Gump. It was like I was running and I don't know if that healed me mentally, but I just thought that if I ran and ran and ran, that maybe I would just get that cancer out of me somehow, some way. And I'd go to Central Park in New York. We um, had an apartment there at the time and I would just run eight to 12 miles just, just to run and Mm. just to feel the, the air, just to feel the cold in my face, just to, just to run it off. (laughs) I don't know. It was the weirdest thing, but I think that was my therapy. That's a, that's a very, that's a good, strong therapy right there. I, uh, I like to ride my bike at like five o'clock in the morning and I tell people that it, it will change your life riding that early in the morning. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't like to run now. I did then. Just, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think then it was just kind of like, okay, I am just going to feel this, this, I have this life and it's one yeah. life and I'm going to live it. And nothing's going to keep me down and I'm just going to go for it. And this is, this is my chapter and we're just going to write it. And we're going to get through it. You know, it was just one of those things where you mentally have to prepare. And well, that's our- what I did. There's our next interview running for cures. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. All right. So let me ask you this. Um, How do you feel that uh, you've changed from the time you got your diagnosis to now to today? Oh, great question. I, I definitely don't sweat the small stuff, but I know how important every moment is. And that sounds so cliche, No, but it it really, truly, you know, you don't, you just don't take anything for granted. I mean, you just hug your babies every day. You love them. You kiss them. You tell them you love them. You, your, your partner, you, you just, you don't, you just don't go to bed mad, even though I'm guilty of that because I kind of, I'm a Latin and I'm German and so I kind of agree. I kind of do. But you know, you just have to learn to just say, screw it, life's too short. That's uh that's that's some of the best advice that uh that I've heard since I've been doing my interviews. But uh I've had a couple of other people that kind of said some something along the, the same lines as uh, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, don't take things for granted, and that they definitely change. So uh, in a weird way, the cancer is a, uh, even though it, it was probably terrible, it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it is um, for sure. Just to open it, your eyes to what, to, to not take things for granted. Cause we all take things for granted. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. No, there's, there's no question. I mean, yeah, you just live your life differently after that. You make choices, you know, you you know what you do, you face decisions that you just couldn't make head on. Right. And you just do it and you press send and you just do it. And and it's, you just make decisions like you wouldn't, you know, you, you can procrastinate and, what decide whether you're going to start a new business or maybe you're not, but you're going to talk about it. Or maybe you decide that you're going to get married, but you're so scared. So you're not going to. Right. I mean, so many things that you just decide life's too short. Right. Just Just, push, push the send button. Let's go. uh, Push start. There you go. go. 
That's true. What's 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 going to happen? What's stopping you? Exactly. And then you find out later that nothing was stopping you. You just do it. You just do it. All right. So here, this is my favorite part of the interview is when I ask you, what is advice for the girls out there or the young ladies that are going through what you've been through? Uh, in what regard, like, uh, starting a business or in, and just like teenagers. Yeah. Just anything for anything, any advice you've got for young ladies out there that are, that are making it in the world. You know, my therapist and I have a very good therapist and that's another podcast. We have several podcasts, Jason. Hey, this is going to be a relationship. I can feel it. No, she gave me the best advice a while back. Okay. She said to me, you, the adult Cindy, talk to your young Cindy. Uh-huh. And what advice would you give to her? Having gone through all the things I've been through, I've been through a divorce. I've been through cancer. I've been through, you name it, I've been through it, right? I've lost my two sisters to cancer, different kinds. I've lost both my parents. I, I've been through it all. And the one thing I would tell any girl out there, just live your life, live it, live it to the fullest because you don't know if you have tomorrow, but don't live it foolishly. Don't live it recklessly, you know, just be responsible, make good decisions, but just definitely don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's very, very strong advice. So the podcast forgive is all, yourself. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. No, for yeah. sure. I mean, you're, we're going to make mistakes, right? Everybody makes sure. mistakes. Forgive yourself. Well, that's one of the things I talk about all the time when I talk about my weight loss journey. I said, you know what? We all, every single one of us, if you're honest with yourself, we fall off the bandwagon in some way, shape, or form. You have to forgive yourself or you'll never get back on that bandwagon. Right. Absolutely. All right. So the, the podcast is all about everyday hero and you're my everyday hero for this episode. So let me oh ask God. you, who are your heroes or who oh are some of gosh. your heroes? I know that's a, that's a hard question. You know, I have so many, I mean, I really do. I, okay. you know, I think about this pandemic and all the people who have to go to work and take care of these people, you know, first responders, whether they be doctors, nurses, aides that are working in the hospital, firefighters, police officers. I mean, the people who really deserve accolades are the people who go out every day to protect us. And I, I know we've heard it over and over and over, but I can tell you right now, I wouldn't want to be a police officer. I wouldn't want to be a doctor. I wouldn't want to be a nurse. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to go fight for our country. Look at, you know, so those are my everyday heroes. Perfect. Those people. I mean, of course, you know, my, my parents, for freaking putting up with my crap, but you know what, (laughs) but, and my kids, but, um, but, you know, I, I really think that we need to every day pray for these people and, um, and thank God that we have them. Oh, that is, thank you very much for saying that. And I don't think you can say it enough as far as I'm concerned. That's the whole reason. That's the, that's the, genesis behind my whole podcast so i don't think you can say it enough i think you should scream it from the rooftops 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really do appreciate the people who fight for our country every day and people who, you know, for police sure. officers. God, how hard is it to be a police officer right now? It's it's one of it's, the hardest. They've no. turned it into one of the hardest jobs in the world. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. You know, I was on and I'm just going to say this quickly. I don't know how much time I have, but I was on a grand jury. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we had to do and it, great, I'm glad that we did it. Uh, we had to go through, uh, what is it called? Like these little classes and it's just like a a simulator of sorts where you go and you get trained uh, to be a cop like to be a police officer what it's like to have a gun in your hand and to go into a a room or a house or whatever it is where you're gonna say it's a domestic abuse case or whatever it is someone calls the cops you go to the house first responders you get there all of a sudden people draw guns and it's like this it's like a make-believe thing you know that it was training but we did it and I shot so many people. I killed everybody. Let's just, I mean, I, I just freaking got my gun and I just started shooting. That's... But, you know, I'm not trying, I'm not making light. Seriously. I really am not. I just would say this. It is so hard to be a police officer. And you know what? You may think it's easy to, to say, well, he shouldn't have done this or maybe he should have done this. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the the Floyd case because that was clearly bad, horrible. But I'm just talking about just everyday stuff. I went through that course and I it was scary. So for what it's worth, I mean, have some have some grace. Yes. Uh, just know that that job is very, very difficult. Yes. And not to say there aren't some bad people out there, bad cops. Of course. There are some, like there are every walk of life. But exactly. You know what? It's a really tough job. Very well said, very well spoken. Uh, I love having you on my podcast. I I definitely want to have you back if you would do it again. Uh, What do you have going on right now in your life? Oh my God. Well, I'm starting up a business and that's Ah. kind of, you know, working after 16 years of not. Right. Um, But it's exciting. It's a new uh, chapter, as I like to say. Mm -hmm. And um, I am starting up a a consulting firm and it's uh, it's doing PR for businesses, marketing, PR, uh, a little of their social media, anything that that has to do with promoting your company. And promoting it to the right target audience, because that's what you need. You know, you can't just uh, open up a store that's baby clothes and you're really not targeting babies. But anyway, um, it's uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm going into business with a friend, uh, you know, some friends of mine who have also been in news and um, it should be it should be fun. I'm excited. All right. Well, let's promote yourself a little bit. What's the name of the business? Cindy Garza Media. Cindy Garza Media. And how can they get a hold of you? At Cindy Garza Media at gmail.com. All right. And you're going to be doing the marketing and the PR yourself, or you have the whole team of people? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a collaboration. But yes, okay. I will be doing, I will, you know, do commercials. Um, I do a lot of stuff, but I also train the business owner in how to speak about their own company and to promote their own company. So, you know, whether it's me doing the talking or someone else okay. or both, and it's about uh, representing your company in the right way and um, doing your social media, whether that's Facebook, YouTube, 
your website, whatever. We do it all. Okay, well, I'm super excited to share your information out there. I will definitely be looking for you on Facebook and sharing all your posts, especially about your marketing team. Thank you. And I want to have a little fun with you before we leave. So let's do it. Let's name, name three movies that you can't live without. Oh, Lord, I don't watch a lot of movies. Go, let's I, go. There's got to be something. Okay. Name uh, one movie okay, that you okay, can't Godfather, live without. Godfather. Godfather it's an oldie, on today. but a good one. It's yeah. a it's an oldie but a good one. I okay. love all the mafia movies. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but um, uh, I do like all those movies. I'm okay. not I'm not a chick flick type of girl, so no. but I mean those are cute and nice. Okay. Um, but what about I Goodfellas. Love Goodfellas. Okay. All right. Love Goodfellas. Love love all the Godfathers. Last one was yeah, last one wasn't that great, but um, anyway, yeah. What about Netflix or is there anything that you're into right now or any shows that you you're know, into? I watched all the narcos. Oh yeah. Those are the- so good. <laughs> I'm so dark. I hate me that, too. I'm the exact I, same way. What's that one show that was so good with uh, Bateman? What's his name? Justin. Oh uh, yes. I know oh exactly what you're talking about. I can't think of the name of it. Anyway. Uh, did I, you watch Mindhunter? No. If you're in the dark stuff, you have to watch Mindhunter. That's my, that's my recommendation for you. Okay. okay. All right. Now, last question before we go. What's, what are you listening? When you work out, what are you listening to? What's on your um, playlist? Rap. Rap. <laughs> like gangster rap? <laughs> yes. I love gangster rap. <laughs> my my kids. It. Okay. Well, you know, what's so funny is that my kids know all the gangster rap. Like that's remember the gangster so rap from the eighties and the nineties, like ice cube yes. and like, you know, yeah. NWA. Oh, I know so them all. Crazy. My kids know every every word to every gangster rap song. Needless to say, I know the words to all the new gangster rap. Right. But so we're just rappers around here. We're just we're just a little bit gangsta around here. <laughs> so if someone saw you working out and and you were on a <laughs> treadmill, and I can imagine what they're thinking you're listening to, but you're actually listening to Dre or Snoop Dogg or yeah. something like uh, that. Yes. Love, love all those. Yes. You're coming straight out of Compton. I do. Hey, I'm I'm straight out of Elgin. Whatever that is, I'm straight. Hey, I'm a little straight out of Austin. Though, I like it. Straight out of Austin. Straight out of Austin, East Side. I have to say East Side because that's where I grew up. Had so much fun having you on my show. I'm so so excited and so glad and so appreciative that you uh, joined me. And um, I'm gonna have this episode out here probably next week. And I'm inspired by your story. I'm inspired by your strength. And uh, you're just uh, wonderful to talk to. So thank you very much. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. You're welcome. And I'll get a hold of you. I don't know. We'll do, we'll do a follow-up in six months, see how your business is going. Okay. Sounds great. Right, thank, thank you so you. much. You're welcome. Okay. Have a great day. Take care. Stay awesome. Okay, you too. okay. Bye. And now it's time for one of my favorite segments of the show, the quote of the day. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude, to me, is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance 
giftedness or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for the day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Charles Swindle. I would like to thank each and every person for listening to the show. You are appreciated. I'd like to send a special thanks out to my guest, Cindy Garza, for being on the show and sharing her extraordinary story. Thank you, Cindy. If you enjoyed this story and you want to hear more like it, I encourage you to subscribe to the First Line Nutrition Everyday Hero wherever you listen to podcasts. I encourage you to leave a comment and you can also follow me and get in touch with me at First Line Nutrition Everyday Hero on Instagram, First Line Nutrition at Everyday Hero on Facebook, or you can email me at J-R-O-C-K-E-M-T-P at Yahoo.com. Have a great day. And once again, stay awesome.